Coming up on Real Good Movies, a lot of you asked my opinion, and this is it. I'm flying solo and breaking down Don't Worry Darling. I always wondered uh, what movie I'd be doing on my own first, and I don't think anybody, including myself, ever predicted this film. Don't Worry Darling, directed by Olivia Wilde of Booksmart. If you haven't seen it, it's a pretty good movie. A 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community begins to worry that his glamorous company could be hiding disturbing secrets. Before I, I get into what worked and what didn't work in what worked and what didn't work in this movie. I just want to cover the timeline of events because there's a lot of drama around this movie and I feel like the reason a lot of people including myself are going to see it is because of the drama. Uh, I remember it all started and again, if I'm wrong about this, don't this isn't TMZ, this is real good movies. <laughs> So Jason Sudeikis serves Olivia Wilde custody papers at an award show. Don't know which one. Doesn't matter. Uh, she starts dating Harry Styles. I think those two are connected. Uh, later they make this movie and it's plagued with a ton of conspiracies about the actors, tension, and the drama with Shia LaBeouf. Did Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine? Very doubtful. And then it turns out WB, Warner Brothers, can only release afford to release two films after some major restructuring. They chose this and Black Adam, delaying um, some big names, the sequel to Aquaman, uh, which could prove fatal having come out after Black Panther Wakanda were forever. But the MCU is a different conversation. I believe the drama and the press surrounding this movie was created to get people to the theaters uh, because they saw the, the reviews start coming in not looking good. Uh, people were panning this movie saying uh, aside from Florence Pugh the only there's nothing to take away from this movie and that that can hurt uh, so misleading the viewers into almost tricking them into thinking hey this movie is it's deep it's it's thoughtful it's thought-provoking it's it's the next big thing is is not exactly I think a an honest way to get asses in seats and I think it's showing, as we'll get to in in like the box office numbers and on its its critic reviews, it's I don't know if I would call it a box office bomb, but WB Warner Brothers they're flirting with disaster on this one. And I think as we talk about box office a little later on, before we go any further, I do want to make some Oscar predictions. Not a whole lot going on in this movie. Not much going for it, and that's all I'm going to say for now. I can possibly see uh, an Oscar nomination for Florence Frowny Face Pew, who, uh, she's in my opinion, just is sad in every movie she's in. Uh, people who know me know I'm not the, the biggest fan of Florence Pugh, even though she is the biggest thing in Hollywood. The cinematography by two-time Oscar nominee Matthew Libatique of Iron Man, uh, Stars Born, and Black Swan. So some pretty good big talent there, and I noticed it, and you notice it when watching this movie, is that 
A lot of the shots are, are constructed in a way that it portrays some kind of hidden meaning or some kind of message. Not a lot of that in this movie, but this cinematographer has the talent. He's been nominated before, and it, it is a very aesthetically pleasing movie. It's a very good movie to look at, and the cinematography shows. So I think, depending on what else comes out this year and how they look, this could be a nominee. I don't know if it's enough to get a win uh, for this movie. Possible costume design, but it will be up against Black Panther Wakanda Forever costume designer who won back in 2018. Marvel's throwing everything at that movie, and I don't know if they'll be able to be beat this year. Tough call to say there. And I can't see this movie being nominated for anything else. No writing. Definitely not Best Picture. Harry Styles isn't winning an Oscar. I hate to say that. My producer will be pissed, but it's the way it is. Earlier, I mentioned box office uh, as of right now in the 2022 box office. It sits at number 39. Not a lot of movies coming out this year. I feel like this is still, for whatever reason, post-pandemic theater going. And I don't like to use that excuse because there are movies now like Top Gun, uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, Jurassic World, Dominion. These movies have crossed the billion-dollar mark, so... To say, oh, you know, people just aren't going to the movies like they used to. I think this comes down to uh, the drama behind it, the subject matter, and then word of mouth just getting out and, and people saying, well, you know, the, the hype maybe doesn't match the movie or the hype is understated. There's a million different we ways and, and art is subjective. You can look at it a million different ways, right? So is there a reason people aren't going to this? Can you blame it on Rotten Tomatoes? I, I don't think so. I think you can use Rotten Tomatoes as a guideline to, to kind of judge what's good and what's bad. And I'll get that in a second. But when you got movies grossing $1 billion worldwide, it's it's not something you can use as an excuse anymore when you're not selling tickets. Now, the awards. This is going to be a really short episode. It's tough. And you can tell I'm, I'm missing my co-host, Dan. But I, I wanted to fly solo to see if I could do it and just talk to myself for six minutes. So you've been listening for six minutes. Congrats. Um, the awards section, we go over every episode, best scene, worst scenes. What do we rate this movie out of 10? So as we go through, I hope I can put it into words as well as what I was thinking. Um, it, a lot of thoughts on this movie, uh, good and bad. It's it's uh, when you first watch this movie, it's it's kind of this odd mix between very Truman Show esque in the, in the time frame and this fantasy world, this perfect little town uh, where you live and you kind of don't question what's around you until you start to question and unravel the strings. And The Matrix, and I don't want to spoil anything for if you, if you haven't seen this movie, you're probably not. I don't know why you're listening to this. But there is very much that that alternate reality aspect of the movie that it kind of comes out of left field in this movie uh, and injects itself into the Truman Show. And what the Truman Show worked really well doing is that it started the movie off at breakneck speed. You, you, you're dropped in. The movie's unfolding as you're watching. There's no kind of unnecessary buildup. And what we get in this movie a lot is that unnecessary buildup. A lot of questions come about and things start to happen, but there's no consequence of those things. There's no unraveling. There's no pulling the thread on the sweater. And as we go go into the movie, I'll talk about what, what worked, what didn't. And it's kind of this really bland version, a bland take on those movies. And it's it can, I mean, depends who you ask, it can be underwhelming and a little disappointing. So before I go any further, I will say my best scene 
the best scene I, I I remember watching, I was enthralled by the dialogue. It's when uh, the point in the movie, I mean, you're almost an hour and a half in at this point. The, the strings start to get pulled. The ants, the questions start to be asked. And I think it's, it's far too late in the movie when this starts to happen at the dinner scene, when uh, Frank uh, Chris Pine's character is invited over for dinner. Uh, the back and forth between him and Florence Pugh in the kitchen is really good. It, it actually did a great job of building the tension that this movie lacked. And I thought, wow, what a, what a relief that finally we get some kind of confrontation, some kind of what, what was really going on here, a solution to what's really going on here. Uh, that isn't present for the first hour and a half of the movie. And I, I I really liked that movie, that that scene, aside from the fact that it was so late in the movie. Because when I'm, I'm watching a movie, I have all these questions, and I got to wait an hour and a half in. What's the point? Where is the, the importance of the last hour and a half? Besides just strange occurrences like eggs cracking, first of all, I don't think eggs sound like that when you crush them in your hand. <laughs> So the sound design, a little bit flunky. Um, so like things like that start to happen. She gets pressed up against the glass, the bookcase. Can you say it is a glitch in the matrix, quote unquote? Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to write it off as that, but it's it's kind of cheap storytelling. And to, to finally have some kind of, of answer or reason to it all is nice. And that's what that, that dinner scene really brings. The amount of tension that is possible from this kind of movie that this movie lacked uh, it's it's definitely good to see that, and I, I was actually thoroughly impressed with that scene. If I had to rewatch this movie for a scene, it's it's definitely that one. I didn't really struggle to think of a scene because I was less than impressed, <laughs> less than entertained when I was watching this movie. Uh, a lot of the scenes felt a little bit repetitive, and that really brings me into my worst scene. Uh, there are a lot of repetitive scenes. Um, in the first 10, 20 minutes, half an hour, there's a couple sex scenes, and I thought, is this this going to be the whole movie? I'm not really sure. Uh, it, this stuff was happening. Uh, they were invited to these houses, Frank's house. He gives this speech. Why? I don't know. I don't know anything about this character, Frank. I don't know what's going on. Her breakdowns happen quite frequently with little to no explanation as to how, when, or why. What? What is the reason? What? Give me some intrigue. Give me something uh, that says, oh, okay, well, that's that's not right here. Something happened. Somebody said something. And we do get that with the character Margaret in a sense that it starts to ask questions like something's not right, but that's as far as it went. There was nothing more to, to say. There was no more interaction between Margaret and Florence Pugh's character. And that's a real disappointment because that was when the most amount of intrigue I found in the first hour and a half of the movie, like I said, actually happens. There are a lot of scenes in this movie that just happen. Uh, you cannot have scenes that don't ask or answer a single question. And this really sticks with me. It's when I'm watching movies and I, I look at a scene or I'm watching a scene, what really draws me in? What really draws me in is, is, is scenes that get me asking questions. And a lot of this, including scenes where he, she wakes up, he he's making her dinner. They kind of have this tussle about, oh, you, you can't go out there. You can't do this and that. Why? Explain something. There's absolutely no breadcrumbs in this movie. Not even a hint, aside from the eggs that don't crack and the, and the window squishing her, that make you think, what is really going on? What is the next step? What's coming next? Uh, and I think that if you have scenes like that, that are so irrelevant that they don't 
tell you in in some way, shape, or form, help you see what's coming next, those scenes are pointless. And you can't have an hour, two hour long movie with pointless scenes. So I have to say the worst scene in in the movie uh, would be the promotion slash special event scene. I'm really not sure what they called that. I think it was like a a gathering, a party with the burlesque dancer. Um, (laughs) Florence Pugh was crying as she does in all of her movies for whatever reason she's just a crier likes these really sad sad roles and hey whatever whatever gets you that that paycheck uh and harry styles is promoted to the high advisor table i now don't quote me on that i don't know what it's called but i was <laughs> i remember hearing them say like you've been promoted he gives them a fancy ring and thinking to myself what what where what what is this high high table or high advisory board because they don't explain things like that. And that that would create some kind of intrigue as to like maybe the double double identity or the kind of the misdirection that, that Harry Styles' character is trying to achieve here. Instead, he's just a a working husband who, who goes to and from work. And there's no no incentive for him to proceed in this movie. He's just a character. And a lot of the characters in this movie are just that. And so when he gets a... Uh, promoted to this this position i remember thinking what 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 is this explain it a little bit more get me interested instead of five minute long ballet sequences i just don't know because i feel like that's a kind of a key part of his of his character and it's the worst scene because i remember sitting there watching it and thinking what 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 high advisory board? What where is this? They're just making this stuff up with. And I was I was a little frustrated at that. Uh, obviously, later in the movie, I, I I think I was just too out of the movie, too a little too bored to have to answer questions or ask questions on my own that this movie should have been doing from the beginning. Favorite character slash actor. I'll say this about Harry Styles. He is an actor. I just don't know how he fits into like a melodrama like this where his only really key parts of this movie are really, really high emotional points or really, really serene kind of just basic conversation points. So it's not really a showcase for Harry Styles. This is a very much a Florence Pugh movie. So I'm not going to say Harry Styles is a bad actor based on this, uh, like a few people I saw online have been saying. None of these characters or actors really stood out to me. Sometimes I'll go see a movie because Christian Bale's in it. Uh, Maybe you're a Chris Pine fan. You'll go see this movie, yada, yada. Uh, Nobody in this movie. My producer, I know she she saw it for uh, Mr. Harry Styles. The the most impressed I was with any character in this movie was the doctor, uh, albeit a small, small part. Very convincing actor. No idea who the guy's name is. Does it matter? No. Recasting roles, I definitely put Shia LaBeouf in Harry Styles' part. A JK too soon. Uh, I suppose an older figurehead than Chris Pine might make sense, uh, but be too cliche at the same time. Uh, that kind of wiser overlord ruler, that uh, the architect, if you will, if you've seen The Matrix Reloaded. Uh, that's the, kind of the vibe I was I was feeling from Chris Pine, who was convincing but maybe just a poorly written part for him i think 
Uh, I'm going to skip what's aged the best and worst because this movie came out three weeks ago and it wouldn't make sense. Would it have spinoffs in 2022? Who knows? It's definitely not getting a sequel. I, I think the box office success translates to sequels or spinoffs um, with the drama behind this movie and the way WB is the shape they're in right now. Um, this one will be on streaming services in no time. Where does Nicolas Cage fit in? We usually ask this question with different actors sometimes. I think Nick Cage fits in as Frank instead of Chris Pine. This kind of goes along with the the older mentor role, like the Kristoff, uh, the architect, stuff like that. When you have a similar story movie, you know, the wise owl kind of guiding along these these sheep, these these poor judgment men that, that are start trapped in this, this utopia. And I think that his unhinged ability we've seen him play like crazy people in the past i think he he has the demeanor to kind of keep it together but also play the maniac at the same time most quotable line chaos is the enemy of progress this is a quote i've heard outside of this movie and it's something that's always stuck with me um it's kind of cool however we don't really dive into victory and what their intentions are. It's kind of just the bad guy behind the curtain, uh, the Wizard of Oz, but we don't get to Oz. We don't pull back that curtain. Maybe we do in this movie, but we don't see what's really going on behind the scenes. And that's a, it's a disappointment because I feel like building up this villain would have been a very important part of this movie. And kind of up the stakes. But instead we're left with, you just live in Victory Town, I don't know, where, somewhere in USA. And uh, it's a real shame because a setting like that, and it's evident in like uh, the Truman Show, the setting can be a very important part of a movie. And it's just like a, a totally missed opportunity. What piece of movie memorabilia would you keep from this film? I said the eye-opener devices that aren't even explained. It's it kind of just, this is the twist. I don't even know if you call it a twist because it's not predictable, but it's at the same time, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's nothing that makes you jump out of your chair and say, holy shit. It's, um, the, it's, it's very poorly explained. It's kind of shoehorned in the last 20, 25 minutes, which I kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It's very clockwork orange, kind of cool reference there. I don't mind when there's little homages or, or references or almost like copycat parts of a movie that show up in some movies. I don't mind it. Um, I just think that if you're going to have such a pivotal point of the movie, explain it a little bit more instead of this just this, this unhinged Jeffrey Dahmer looking Harry Styles that wants to live in a video game. I, I don't know. I don't know what the commentary is here. When they started going into the, like the real world, like pre pre virtual reality, I started to ask myself, what is the the theme or the maybe the commentary? Because you can you can say gaslighting. You could say, uh, oh, maybe this is how men treat women or how quote unquote incels act and, and towards women. I, I I don't know what the message is here. And maybe it's just a little more on the nose that I'm, I'm looking too deep into it. But when you get these thought-provoking movies, you have the bar set so high by, by directors like Jordan Peele, who are experts by now, three movies into his career, at telling these stories that are so deep 
that are that have these these hidden meanings a, a multitude of hidden like interpretations you can get from these movies but they're not on the nose yeah get out was on the nose a little bit it's a little bit more obvious but you've got to ease the audience into looking at a movie for some kind of underlying theme because themes is just like they teach you that in like high school grade school english class like every story has a theme and I struggled to find it in this movie, I think, because the message may have gotten lost in the re- repetitive, you know, going through the motions of trying to unravel this thing. But you're trying to start a car that just won't start. And it kept going. And then finally, at an hour and a half, too late into the movie, the car starts. And by then, I personally, I'm out. And a lot of the audience, maybe this is why it's only th- such a low score on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I can't I can't speak for everybody, but for me that was it. So the final question that we always ask each other on this show is what do we rank this film out of ten and why? I mentioned Rotten Tomatoes, it's got thirty-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I remember when I saw that I thought, geez, that's really wild that Olivia Wilde, <laughs> pun intended, made a pretty good movie, almost you know, this generation super bad out of book smart. Some great comedy, a well-written, well-structured movie. And then you get, you up the the production, maybe you up the, the budget, you up the star power. And then what you get is a underwhelming movie that is so abstract that it's almost too simple. I, I That sounds so pretentious and so stupid. But when you try to make <laughs> a 50s housewife and then all of a sudden you find out she's trapped in a video game... That shit is so fucking lame. So can I see why it got 39%? Absolutely. Here's my reasons. I'll tell you what I got. I'm not, I'm just telling you what Rotten Tomatoes gave it. That That's not what I'm giving it. There is no progression of the story until over an hour into the movie. From the very first scene, it's like I said, it's a car starting. You hear the vroom, 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 or the battery clicking. Like something's just not matching up. And you try and you try and you sit in that car and you say, please, okay, maybe if I turn the key this time, the movie or the car will start. And it didn't do that. It didn't scene after scene after scene, argument after argument, sex scene after sex scene. It's like, what does it all mean? In the beginning of the film, we should have been introduced to what was really happening to build the intrigue, uh, intro to the good guys, intro to the bad guys, and we set the stakes None of which happened here. And I think it's some of the most important movies or the the movies that, that open the strongest are those movies that introduce the good guy, the bad guy. And then what's at stake? And we didn't get a single thing here. We, we don't know who's good. We don't know who to trust. We don't know who's bad. And it blurs the lines between all three of those. We, we don't know what's at stake. Is it her her health, her livelihood, her sanity? I'm not sure what kind of movie this is. I'm not able to pick up a vibe. Is this just a character drama where we're focusing on maybe Florence Pugh's struggle to accept that something happened in her life? It's really hard to say. And in the beginning of this movie, we didn't get any of that. There's little to no tension, and there's missed chances to do that. And the one example I can think is... The, the that did it the best was the briefcase scene after the doctor leaves. She sees the briefcase is still beside the couch. Uh, she opens the briefcase. He comes back to get it. Predictable. Obviously, she gets the file, gives him the briefcase back. Uh, that was the closest thing to tension. 
and suspense that I felt in this movie a real shame. Basically, no rewatchability. I cannot see myself rewatching this to see hidden details, and it's far too boring to just to justify a rewatch. It doesn't really have any right to be over two hours. Uh, we use the expression on the show, you could trim the fat. I think that is definitely the case here. Bring this movie down to an hour and a half, hour 45. And the most redeeming thing is the subtle and possible unintentional James Bond references. Oh, this is such nerdy shit. I'm not even joking. you. Uh, one reference was obviously the From Russia With Love poster that was beside Harry Styles' desk in the real world. And the structure she runs to in the desert, kind of symbolic of P's Gloria in one of the James Bond movies on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Look it up. P-I-Z space G-L-O-R-I-A. And the dancers in the finale kind of resembled to me a little bit of a Bond title sequence. So I'm going to give it a couple points there because everyone knows how much of a slut for James Bond I am. So with that being said, I'm going to give this movie a 4.5 out of 10. Because as Dan always says, a five is just a movie. I watched it. I was completely neutral. Didn't have much to say negative about it. Didn't have much to say positive about it. I can't say the same about this movie. The main reason it falls below a five, which is not usually a good sign, it does not pass the five to ten minute mark. And now this is, you know, personal preference. I usually give a movie five, ten minutes if I'm generous. If I'm not in at that point I'm never going to be in and I'm not going to be in for another two hours so I think um, if this movie comes to streaming uh, hold off and watch it but don't go don't go looking for a blockbuster here because this just isn't it I would be doing a disservice if I didn't at least mention full house in every one of these episodes that one's for you Dan and yeah, that's basically what I think of. Don't worry, darling. Let me know what you think. You can follow us real good movies pod on Instagram. We always like the feedback. So, you know, don't hesitate. If this is your favorite movie of all time, let me know. You want to hate on me for this opinion? Fine. For real good movies, I'm Jer and we thank you for listening. Good night.